So we are continuing our series B, and I said last week we're kind of starting the next sub-series within the bigger series, uh, and just looking at different disciplines and how Jesus has taught us to the different ways to practice and live out our faith. So last week we looked at how when we give, to not be arrogant about it, to not draw attention to it, and not dwell on it ourselves, to kind of keep it behind our back and uh, do it privately because we're ultimately looking for God's approval, not man's approval. Uh, we talked about prayer and how we're not supposed to draw attention to our prayers, but instead go into our private room and pray just between you and your Heavenly Father. And not to use repetitive words and not to use chants and, uh, as if we're going to get God's attention because of these chants that we use. Um, but to just have a conversation with your Heavenly Father. And a reminder that God already knows what you need. God already knows all the details of the situation. Uh, he is just your father, and all he wants from you is to just pause and reflect and chat with him and connect with him and uh, grow in that relationship. And then this morning, we're continuing on with this idea of prayer. and We're diving into Jesus' teaching on prayer. <coughs> and of course, the very famous Lord's Prayer is the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. And so if you grew up in church, most of us could probably recite it off the back, off the top of our heads. We'd probably almost turn off three quarters of our brain and do it because it's so ingrained in us as we were to say it. Um, but this morning, I want to start off by reminding us that Jesus just finished teaching about not using empty repetition when we pray. And then he goes into teaching us the Lord's Prayer. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think Jesus understood the fact that we as human beings have this capacity within us that if we are given a prayer, that we're just going to pray that exactly the way that it was taught us. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking the Lord's Prayer and saying it verbatim the way you see it in your Bible. But the problem that we run into and the problem that Jesus is trying to address is there's a difference between our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, thy will be done. And, okay, now we've prayed. We've got through it all. We're good. And verses, God in heaven, Father in heaven, your name is so holy. God, I worship you because you are amazing. You are so, right? There's a difference. There's a difference between doing it out of an autopilot, just doing it because that's the right thing to do, and a heartfelt repetition of the prayer with your mind engaged, your heart engaged, and your ears engaged to hear what God wants to say to you in that moment. So like I said, I'm not saying that repeating that time and time again is a bad thing, but it's how you repeat it. Are you just going through the motions? Which, if you've been with us for a while, you know that that's one of my pet peeves is just going through the motions. Or are you actually... Doing it with a heart that is ready to hear, with a heart that is getting your attention off yourself and onto your Heavenly Father that you are praying to in an attempt to draw closer to Him. So with that, we're going to dive in. Um, I will, the way we're going to do this is I'm, we're going to work through this passage, and I'm presenting it as a model for prayer. So not just to follow exactly praying word for word, but we're going to look at each verse as a section of prayer. And if you go through scripture and you look at the different ways that the prophets and everyone prayed, 
everyone follows this model. Everyone kind of follows this step-by-step, checking off each of these boxes as they go through, praying in their own words. And so my encouragement is that as we go through each one, I'm going to create some space for you to pray, to practice it. And I want you to try this on your own, um, following this model, because I honestly believe that if we follow this teaching, our prayer life is just going to get that much better. So, with all that said, Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus said, pray like this. And I wanted to, if you got, if you are one of these highlighter people, take your highlighter, highlight that word right there. It says, not pray this. He's not saying pray this exactly. Pray like this. So, again, even Jesus in his own words is suggesting that this is a model to follow, not a poem to be recited. So pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So Jesus starts off by reminding us that (coughs) we don't serve a far-off king where we come and we have to make our petitions and we have to have these well-crafted requests, but we are praying to a God who we can address as Father, who loves us, who draws near to us, who is personally invested in our success, personally invested in our growth, who loves us deeper than we could ever understand. And so we come to God not as uh, a dictator, not as not just as a king. We come to our Father. Father in heaven, holy, may your name be kept holy. But in the midst of the closeness of this prayer, we recognize the fact that God is still God. He is king above. He is king over the kings. He is Lord over lords. And so we want to honor him, not just with our prayers, but we want to honor him with our words. We want to honor him with our actions. We want to honor him with our thoughts because God knows our thoughts. The prayer that God may your name be kept holy is us saying, God, I love you. I, I recognize that you are close to me. And I want to honor you above all else in everything that I do. Whether it's my life, my actions, my work, God, your name be kept holy by the way I live my life. So uh, we're going to pause there. Uh, I'm going to put up a slide with a five-minute counter. I want you to just take the next five minutes. Now, this is normally where Michelle would have come up and sang, but she's not here. So... Uh, and this is good practice for us, to learn to worship God without music to help us. So you're going to take the next five minutes, and I want you to just praise God. Thank God for his closeness. Thank you that he is above every other name, that he is God. He is the only God. Whatever it is that you're thankful for this morning, take the next five minutes on your own and, uh, and praise God.
So just out of curiosity, how many people had a tough time with that praying for five minutes? Uh-oh, I apparently have lost control. No! It's not changing up here. That's okay. I got it. I got it, Tim. Um, I was intentional with that. Because when you say that we're going to pause for five minutes, and in our minds it doesn't seem like a long time until we close our eyes and start praying, all of a sudden it feels like five minutes is an eternity. And I, w- I don't know if we actually realize how much time passes when we pause and we praise God. Um, and it's too bad that five minutes seems like a long time. Because when it comes to praising our God, when it comes to praying, five minutes should be shouldn't be enough time. I don't say that to guilt anybody. I, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody. I'm, it's just a reality that this is a muscle that we need to grow. We need to grow in our ability to, to pray. And not just pray quick little prayers to God, but to actually pray long enough. Because we don't have a problem having hour-long conversations with our friends. So why do we have problems having hour-long conversations with our God? <coughs> So I want to just challenge you on that, to not rush through this, but to actually pause and take time. The next breaks are a little bit quicker. We'll go two minutes instead of five, just for the sake of time. And, um, but I, I want to challenge us on that, that when it comes to prayer, it shouldn't be a hardship. It shouldn't, five minutes shouldn't be a big ask for any of us. Uh, next part, verse 10, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I appreciate the New Living Translation putting that, may your kingdom come soon, because not a lot of translations put that, but that is the heart that Jesus is calling us to have. That we would not just be asking that God's kingdom come, but that it would come to its fullness soon. And that's a big prayer to ask. That's a big prayer to say, Jesus, I want you to come quickly. Because we know that God's word tells us that Jesus isn't coming until everything is lined up, until everything has come to pass that needs to come to pass. And so <coughs> it should create an urgency in us to, to do what we need to do, to do the things that God has called us to do. But as your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And part of this prayer is not just saying willy-nilly like we talked about last week. God, just I just want your will to come. But maybe more importantly, it's us asking what God's will is. It's, and it's asking God, what is our part in your will? How can we help bring your will to earth? What is our part to play in your grand plan of bringing your kingdom and growing your kingdom here on earth so that things are on earth as it is in heaven because we can know the will of god romans 12 2 tells us that if we allow if we don't confer, conform to the ways of this world but allow our minds to be renewed that we can know the good pleasing and perfect will of god our father and so i let you we're gonna pause for two minutes and just at this point it's god not my will but your will and show me what your will is. And maybe in this part, you do more listening than talking. But God, I want your kingdom. 
God, I don't want to grow my kingdom. I want to grow your kingdom. It's not my will. It's your will. It's us coming into alignment with who God is and what he wants to do here on earth. Verse 11, give us today the food we need. As some translations say, God, give us this day our daily bread. And this portion of the prayer actually comes from Proverbs 30. And Proverbs 30 says this, verse 7. Oh God, I, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, to help me never to tell a lie. And second, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So this is Solomon at the end of Proverbs. And he says, God, I don't want to be rich, which is ironic given who Solomon was. I don't want to be rich and I don't want to be poor. I want... I want to just have my daily supply. And so Jesus teaches us, and he's talking about food, but really the prayer is, Jesus, give me what I need for today. Give me the strength, give me the wisdom, give me the knowledge. God, give me what I need to get through today. And later on, we're going to look at in chapter 6, Jesus say, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. Today's got enough problems. And so this is in alignment with Jesus' teaching. He's saying, God, I, I need to get through today. Don't give me so much that I forget about you. Don't give me so little that I would insult your name. Give me what I need. And maybe part of the prayer for us today is 
God needs to teach us what, what exactly it is that we need to survive. Because we live in a day where it's so easy to live beyond our means. It's so easy to take the credit card and swipe it and get the things that I so desperately want but really don't need. And I know that it's ironic saying that in the day that we're in with the, the, crisis, the economic crisis that we're in. But maybe that this is the time for us to refocus and reevaluate and allow God to show us what it is that we actually need. And what it means for him to meet those needs. And so for the next couple of minutes, I, I, I invite you, wherever you're at, if you're feeling overwhelmed, God, give me what I need to get through today. If you're feeling stressed in any other way, God, teach me what it means to be content with what you've given. God, Father, I pray that you give me, meet my daily needs. So take two minutes and pray through that. Verse 12, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And at the end of the prayer, at the end of the teaching, Jesus goes on to say this. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, I have good news for you on this. Um, Jesus isn't saying that our forgiveness is dependent on our ability to to forgive others, because if it was, we're all in trouble. Like, let's just be honest. We, there are people in our lives that are going to be difficult to forgive. And if, we, if, if my forgiveness is 
is hindered by my inability to completely forgive people the wrongs that they've done, I'm in big trouble. And I think we all are. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying if you refuse to forgive, if there's an unwillingness to forgive others, and the way that Jesus is teaching us to pray is as we are overwhelmed with the, go- the love and the grace and the forgiveness that God so freely showers on us, that we would not be so selfish to run to God and beg for forgiveness all the while holding on to a grievance, all the while holding on to a bitterness towards a friend or even an enemy. And so when Jesus teaches us to forgive as I have forgiven others, it's the recognition that in our humility, in our willingness, in our overwhelmness of how much God has loved us and forgiven us, that we wouldn't even think about asking for forgiveness for ourselves until we've fully, or at least tried, to forgive those who have hurt us. Because it could be argued that if we are not willing to forgive, if we are not quick to forgive, that we really don't understand the depth of what God has done for us. I don't know if it, we, it could be argued that we don't understand the depth of God's forgiveness and grace that he's poured on our own life. And it's amazing how simply saying those words, God, I forgive so-and-so for what they did. Just verbalizing that kickstarts something in us to actually begin the process of forgiving. I think part of the problem for many people who have trouble with forgiving is they just can't bring themselves to say those words, and yet by just saying that, it does something in our minds to open us up to be able to forgive those that we're struggling to forgive. And so as we pause for the next two minutes, my challenge is for you to think about, is there anyone in your life, and we talked about this last week, and we're talking about it again, It's going to come up a lot. Is there anyone in your life that you need to forgive this morning? Is there anyone that you're holding a grievance against? Because before you ever run to God and humble yourself, say, God, forgive me, you need to humble yourself first and forgive those who have hurt you. So who do you need to forgive? And if you, after you have addressed that, then come to God and say, God, I'm sorry sorry for not forgiving sooner. I'm sorry, God, for the things I've done. I'm sorry, God. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive as you have forgiven those who have sinned against you. Two minutes.
verse 13. But don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. <coughs> Again, I like the way the NLT puts this. Um, for most of us that grew up with a different translation, you probably read something like, God, don't lead us into temptation, which is a really awkward wording of that because James then goes on to say that God tempts nobody to sin. So why would, so, so that translation, it, it, the heart of the translation is the same. I just think the NLT puts it better. God, don't let us yield to temptation. Jesus is saying that temptation is going to come. Trials are going to come. And James tells us that we serve a God who is able to use those temptations and use those trials to refine us, to grow our character. Paul even talks about how trials build endurance and build character and build our hope of salvation and that our hope won't disappoint. Trials and temptations have really good, do really good things for our character if we're willing to withstand them. And so what Jesus is telling us to do is to come and say, God, give me the strength to not give in. God, give me the strength. And, and, and to not give in can be played out a lot of different ways. God, give me the strength to just avoid temptation at all possible. I avoid the temptation of watching something I shouldn't watch. Avoid the temptation of doing the things that I shouldn't do. God, just help me just stay away from that. And if it get in the situation where I can't stay away, where it has come and it has found me, God, give me the strength to not give in. Give me the strength to say no. And we're going to talk about, in a little bit here, we're going to talk about fasting and how that, that helps with that. But God, give me the strength to say no. Do not allow me to give in to temptation. Do not allow me to give in to the deceptions of the evil one god don't let me yield father give me the strength so take two minutes and pray in your own words basically what i just said
Jesus goes on after teaching us how to pray and goes to talk about how to fast, starting in verse 16. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So he says the hypocrites love to you know, get the pat on the back and, oh, again, that, oh, look how righteous you are. Look how, how good you are because you are fasting. He says, don't do that. Your fasting is between you and God. And I don't know, I know we've talked about fasting in the past, but really br- quickly, fasting accomplishes two things for us. I kind of hinted towards the first one. Fasting creates an ability for us to overcome temptation. So if you're struggling with a sin, if you're struggling with a temptation that you just can't seem to shake, fasting is one of the ways throughout Scripture that the biblical authors and the biblical people use to overcome those temptations. Why? Because when you're fasting, and of course in Scripture it talks about food, but you can fast from all kinds of things. Fasting is you saying no. So I'll, I'll pick on the food one for example. Fasting is you saying no to your stomach, no matter how hungry you are. And the longer you fast, the harder, the stronger the no has to be. Because it's easy to be like, well, I'm still technically fasting if I just steal this grape off my kid's plate. Right? I mean, it's just a grape. It's not going to, what's it going to do? Right? And the, the more committed you stay to fasting, the, the harder your no becomes. It strengthens the, for lack of better words, it strengthens the no muscle so that you can say no to other things. You can say no to temptation. You can say no to sin. You can say no to those trials. And it starts with saying no to that need that you have. No stomach, I'm not feeding you today because I'm fasting today. And no sin, I'm not giving in to you today because I am, I am a child of God. I'm not giving in. You don't want anything to do with you. So fasting does, first and foremost... Fasting is a way to freedom from the things that try to weigh us down. The second thing that fasting does, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, the prophets and the leaders would use fasting as a way of discovering God's directing. And it's interesting, physiologists a couple years ago came out and said that when we fast, when there's no food in our stomach, our body actually sends more blood to our brain. And so after we get over the pain of hunger, once we get over the pain of fasting, our thinking actually becomes clearer. Our focus becomes more focused. And our awareness of God's leading and our our ability to hear God's voice becomes clearer. And so, just as they would, just as the people of the scriptures would do it, the encouragement that Jesus has for us even today is that there's going to be days where God's leading isn't clear. So fast. Stop eating. Just put it all aside. And create that space that instead of eating today, I'm going to pray. Instead of looking at my phone today, I'm going to pray. Instead of watching TV today, I'm going to pray. And in that prayer, like I said, for fasting, ideally it's food because of the clarity, because of what it does for our bodies. 
Instead of eating my meals today, I'm going to pray and allow that clarity and allow that focus to come so I can hear God's voice more clearly. I'm going to fast today because I seem to be having a real struggle with my self-control. I seem to have a real struggle with fill in the blank in your own life. I'm tired of struggling with it. I'm tired of being, of having to ask for forgiveness for it every day. So I'm going to fast. I'm going to strengthen the no in my life so I can start saying no to that thing I keep giving into. Jesus doesn't say, if you fast, as if it was some idea. He says, when you fast, because he knows there's going to be those things that we're going to struggle with kicking. He knows there's going to be times where God's directing isn't that clear. And he knows that the only way for us to really get freedom, the only way to really get that direction that we so desperately need sometimes in life, is to put aside the food and say, God... putting aside my meals, I'm putting aside my food today so that I can get, can hear your voice more clearly. I'm putting aside these luxuries today so that I can strengthen my no muscle and say no, no to sin, no to temptation, no to trials, and just say no. So this morning, if you hadn't figured it out, the B statement this morning is be more prayerful. Be prayerful. My encouragement this week was that you would take this model that we just spent all morning working through and that you would do it at least once or twice this week. Instead of getting up and doing your regular prayer routine, that you would take this and do it. Because as we pray through the way that God is, that Jesus taught us, it gets our, our eyes off of us, right? This whole prayer is, God, your will be done, not mine. God, may... Your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. God, you are my source, and so I'm trusting you to meet my needs today. God, teach me to forgive those who have hurt me so that I can come to you with a clear conscience and ask for your forgiveness. God, trials and temptations are going to come my way, and you're the only one that gives me the strength to overcome them and say no to them. And God, if I need that little extra reliance on you, I'm going to fast because you are my source, you are my sustenance. And so I'm going to say no to food and I say yes to you and allow you to be my strength, allow you to be my my overcomer. The way that Jesus taught us to pray isn't about us, it's actually all about God. It puts our focus right where our focus is supposed to be. I think so often when, if we're honest with ourselves, our prayers often are all about us and not about who they need to be. So this week, once or twice this week, I encourage you to follow that model, to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Get our eyes off of us, get us, get our eyes on him, and trust that he is our source, he is our sustenance, he is the one that is going to carry us through the trials and temptations that come our way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you, God, for the technology that we can meet everyone right where they're at. And God, I pray that all of us have been challenged at some point in that model. That we maybe are good at certain points, but there's certain ones that maybe we, you shone a different light. You gave us a new perspective. And so, God, I pray that we become better prayers. That the heart of our prayer isn't about us and getting our way, but it is about connecting with you 
and making sure that your way, your will is accomplished in our world. Lord, you're our source. Father, you are our strength. You are our, you meet our needs. Jesus, help us to rely on you in everything that we do. We love you, God. May we help us make this week all about you. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.